welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, we've got our usual crew. We've got Adam in Iowa. We've got Rhiannon in New York City. And I'm here in Rhode Island. We are so uh, excited to see you. That was a new thing I just threw in at the, at the back. No, so, I you're was changing like, wow. it up. What's going on? We're... To let people just know how um, interstatial we are. What's the word for coming from different states? I was about to say how American we are. We've yeah. got New York City and Iowa and Rhode Island. We're like America. We've got colonial America, urban America, and rural America, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, Rhode Island is so American that we seceded from England like a month before the rest of the country. Did you know this? Well, my neighborhood is so American that we have a giant revolutionary war memorial that I can see out my window. Oh. Iowa is so American. We're number one in corn and pork. So <laughs> export. I think you kind of win, Adam. That's 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 awesome. Wait, wait, corn import? Uh, I would guess export, export since it's all grown here. Yeah, yeah, okay. He said, he said corn and pork. Oh, corn and pork. Yeah, oh. corn and pork. Uh, I was I thought he said corn import. I was like. I don't no. think Iowa pork. imports any corn. Pork, 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 pigs, pork. bacon, oink, pork oink. chops. Okay. Um, yeah. not corn the band, but Slipknot also. Mm. <laughs> that great American bastion of culture, Slipknot. Yes. <laughs> and Jason Momoa. I gotta be careful. I feel like I'd actually be scared to make Slipknot fa- fa- fans angry. They seem like they might be a slightly scary bunch. Uh-huh. Is that the name of the character in Suicide Squad too? It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to, so here's what we're going to do. We talked about this before the show. Um, we're going to talk about Moon Knight with all three of us. And then Rhiannon and I were some of the souls unfortunate enough to see Morbius as soon as it came out. And so we will talk about that and Adam will probably bounce, but let's start with episode one of Moon Knight. Um, I think our listeners know, as usual, Adam has seen more than episode one, but he's mm. very good about only talking about the first episode as much as possible so no worries uh we, we won't we won't spoil past the first episode if you haven't seen the first episode however please turn this off and go watch it because we're going to talk about everything that happened uh rihanna i'll start with you how are you how are you feeling about um this new foray into television on disney plus enjoyed it i am keeping my hopes so low like, even with Adam saying he's seen the first four episodes and it's good and it's good, I am still just setting my bar, like, as low as I possibly can. I enjoyed this episode. I feel like it was deep. It was interesting. It had twists and turns. It had action. It had, you know, just, like, an, a very intriguing character. Um, I was ready for him to move on, so hopefully he's moved on. Um, but so far, so good. I, I've only watched it once. I haven't watched it ever. And I tried the new thing where I like wait until I'm done with my day and sit on the couch and watch it on the television instead of like watching it on my phone at 3 a.m. So I don't know if that changed my opinion or not. We'll see if I stick with it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm in. It's good. 
I don't have strong feelings about it right now. I mean, I know people at this point that are like in love with with the story and the character and everything. I am not there yet, but it could be that I'm not wanting to get attached because they've disappointed me so much. Yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying it. I feel like, um, and I I, don't, I mean I don't know who you're talking about or anything, but I think the the less people would know about Moon Knight comics, the more this would feel very different, you know. And either it'd be like, oh, this show's really different than anything I've ever seen, or like, oh, this show kind of is a little uneven and kind of jerks you around. You know, for me, it's very much like what I expect out of Moon Knight from reading Moon Knight comics in that it's disorienting, there's sudden jumps in sort of time and space, and that they're supposed to be because that disorientation that you feel helps you to feel what what Steve or Mark is feeling. And so to me, that they've hit right on the head, and I'm fascinated how that hits people who don't know the comic books. I can see where it would be either like a revelation or very jarring if that's not what you knew was going to come when you push play, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, nobody I know that I've talked to have had issues with that, but they all knew what they were going in for. Um, And I feel like you pretty quickly, like you wouldn't need to know. I mean, I don't know if this is me feeling this, but maybe I overestimate people's understanding of mental health issues, but if you know it's about a person with disassociative identity disorder, it's going to jump around. You know, you're going to have a way of telling the story that, that goes places that you don't remember or that, that has other stuff. Mm. Um, I mean, we've had it in so many shows at this point. I don't feel like it needs an explanation. Um, yeah. Adam, do you remember how you felt through that first episode? You yeah, know, I can't like... believe they uh, put Werewolf by Night in the very first episode. That's a joke as <laughs> to me being a very good non-spoiler. It's not Werewolf <laughs> by Night. It's it's nobody. Uh, no, really good. The thing about the thing that uh, drew me into this is that there's like no story involved. The story um we're seeing it is so small and not really complicated because i mean it's it's all character that they need to focus on rightfully so because oscar isaac is playing uh four characters in his own right and you know um they need to focus on that so there's there's no time to focus on some some massive story with five different subplots um so I love I love where it's where it's heading. Um, I I mean I, I've read every single Moon Knight comic there is, and I think it's pretty pretty faithful and accurate uh, to to the character um, and his likeness and stuff. And obviously, as the the show goes on, it it gets more and more obvious um, with, with certain things, but. No, I, I thought it's probably the strongest premiere so far. Um, and as I said in the, our review, it is uh, it does get incrementally better with each passing episode. Um, and I have faith here because it's uh, they didn't send us the the two last episodes, but then again, there's not that much to to wrap up. 
I guess. And, and I think I kind of expected kind of that for Moon Knight. I mean, there's going to be some unanswered questions just because how the character is. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed the premiere. Um, wasn't a huge fan of Khonshu and how he actually sounds. I thought it was Peter Cullen for, for a second. Optimus Prime. Um, what's his name? Peter Cullen, right? I think, I think so. Yeah. Um, I thought it would be more menacing or something of that nature. But it is a crying shame that that suit moment was leaked, man. Otherwise, it would have been absolutely insane. I'm not sure they would have even put it in the, the marketing stuff if, if that one photo wasn't leaked. So, uh, nah. it's, it is what it is, but uh, hell of a start so far. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very smart to start out with Stephen Grant as like the entry personality. So, you know, and not really mess too much with the other ones because it's, I think they clearly gave the, the personality that gives us the most um, or the identity that gives us uh, the best POV character, the person we feel the most empathetic with, the person we'd be most concerned about being harmed. You know, like uh, it's just... I feel like I know who that character is in 35 minutes better than we'll get to this later, better than I know other characters that I just watched for two hours. You know, like I feel like I really have an idea of who that is and that Marvel takes the time. I mean, it was kind of excruciating seeing him eating that steak dinner, but like, there's like this emotional connection, you know, that you connect to him when he's at that restaurant and realizes what he's missed and the, the the toll that it pays for him to live this life i just thought all that stuff was developed in a way that builds the audience's empathy and kind of gets you ready so that you're you, so that you want this character to succeed or fail um you know based on what you've what you've gotten in that first episode uh let's talk a little bit about ethan hawk i guess um i still don't have the character name down but uh glass in his shoes guy which talk about a very disturbing way to start the show. Like my feet have been hurting all day, just thinking about it. But uh, I mean, did you guys, have you enjoyed the villain so far? Uh, Ahmet's, you know, henchman here. I, I, I feel like we know who the villain is. I, you know, maybe there's a twist in episode four, but it's nice to have the villain from episode one and it'd be, somebody interesting and that we're going to get to know more about so yeah i i like the little story and intrigue that they started i was just gonna say it's built into the mythology in a smart way the the visuals of the moving tattoo is is just cool like it's simple but creepy Uh, and it's immediately a philosophical trope we kind of know it's like the minority report thing right like is it right to kill someone or to arrest someone before they've done something and that whole scene with the old lady like it to me it's a simple philosophical concept that has some depth to it it's just i thought it was very neatly inserted into all those things so perfect opening first ever mcu bob dylan song i do believe right oh really that's interesting i don't know i will say that that is a song um that people that have discerning taste but also are interested in like Christian art, that Bob Dylan song in particular is a big deal because it was during Dylan's like 
evangelical sort of conversion in the eighties. And so it's like contemporary Christian music that was actually done by a skillful artist instead of like a lot of the crap that they put out. So like, if you're a church person who really is into like high quality music and movies and stuff, everybody knows every grain of sand is like the magnum opus of Bob Dylan's gospel period. So I was very, I was like, whoa, they're going with that one. Like it was a fascinating cut to me. Having Dylan and uh, Humperdinck back to back, man, that's right there. That's a perfect, perfect series the way it is. Um, The Moon Knight theme, speaking of music, Moon Knight's theme is out of this world. Again, with with the suit change. I liked the Wham. They had Wham in it. Yeah, Wham was in it. Yeah, yeah. Which was just, I mean, like that was way over the head, but I enjoyed it. You know, like I feel like this episode had that little bit of comedic timing and everything and it went well now i mean you, you mentioned wham the one thing i didn't love i felt like the special effects in that car chase seemed really janky like it was just there was something about i mean part of it is because they they had the courage to do that scene in the broad daylight and like you know like a lot of times you do a scene like that, like in the Batman and you can hide it behind like some mist and some rain and some, you know, dark edges. But I just felt like some of those CGI cars were, ugh. I, I, I watched it. I, I usually don't care about that kind of stuff, but I watched that one. And I was like, this doesn't, this feels a little bit like a video game, but I don't know how you guys felt. I, I felt like it was a little bit cheesy, but intentionally cheesy. I mean, you put a man in a cupcake truck and have him escaping guys with guns, like that's going to be cheesy. So I, I feel like it set a tone and it had a certain artistic purpose that worked well enough. So I was fine with it, but I haven't seen the Batman yet. So I can't compare this to the car scene of all car scenes, but no, that's what the car chases, man. It's, yeah, I mean that's it's understandable because it's one hundred percent fake. You know, it's just bizarre. I mean, most of I'm very curious to see what actual sets they built because, like, I'm assuming like the museum, even the museum was fake and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It did. It did remind me um, some of the. Uh, uh, of the uh, highway chase on the the semi trucks and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, like it even had the the same color of sky and tree. So I do wonder if that was the same same house or something. I'll find out shortly, but uh, it was very reminiscent of that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it, a lot of that stuff was inconsistent. I mean, especially with Conchu. Um, so I'm not sure if there were like different models floating around or. or backgrounds were changed like thor um the alley scene to norway or whatever it was but what are you gonna do yeah i did enjoy the Kanshu design i felt like mm-hmm. it looked good i love the i mean most of the time how it moved the way in the hallway that it like sort of like jumps i think was really um fun i don't know why the fact that there was like almost like hairs in it i think Mm -hmm. you know like in the one shot of the up close of the face it was uh, to me it was perfect like that was one where they're like oh we have an incredible comic panel here 
let's not mess with it. Let's just make that, you know, digitally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That looks great. Um, yeah. We got, we got an Egyptian God, which is more than we ever would have gotten with Marvel television. You know, it's not a, like a dude in a white suit, you know, so some villainous thing, but yeah. what are you going to do? They have, it, they have the budget for it. I did like the later museum chase, but it was a great example of how a CGI character in a dark room with shadows and stuff in front of them and motion blur, you know, like the problem with cars is just, we know what they look like. We know how they move. And it was just broad daylight. Like there was just nowhere to hide imperfections, I think on that scene. So there was some like unnecessary shaky cam too, like right before the uh, ice cream truck thing i noticed it was just like him like running around the truck or something i'm like i don't i don't know well it's not more stable but yeah what is now i want to talk a little bit about plot and and you know what you guys are thinking right now are you thinking that he is merely missed like what we saw was all chronological and he just missed stuff in between? Like, is that how you're understanding what's going on? That's what I'm thinking so far. Because I was at least toying with the idea, I'm sure I'm wrong, that like, that London might be fake. You know, that the London stuff may be like the mental prison they throw Stephen in to keep mm-hmm. his altar back. And it explains like why the goldfish is different and like, how he loses so much time and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure it's the most probable explanation. I just, I love that. I'm not totally sure. Like it may be that he just lost control and then Mark took over and went to the Alps and then he woke up in the middle of it. But I'm at least willing to consider that something here is like in a mental space and not a real space. If that makes sense. I hadn't even considered that. And Adam is being like so stoic, like not he's doing a good job. Like a no, I don't. Yeah, that's what I don't um, like he's doing an amazing job there. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying not to think too deep. I'm trying not to to come up with explanations. I'm just in for the ride. I hadn't even considered that it might be a, a prison of his mind. If not, if it is. Why won't the other personalities let him have a girlfriend? Like, why did they make him eat the steak? Like, that is just meanness to himself. Like, that, yeah. like, if you're going to create a fake world, okay, fine, you keep the goldfish alive, but you don't like let him have actual connections. Yeah. Like, that's just rude. So, I have a theory on that, but I'm not. You want to hold on to it? The theory about why, why well, I want to say the theory about, I mean, who said we saw Steven and Mark, right? So who else would set up a date if it wasn't Steven or Mark? Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, though, somebody was asking online, like it, I saw a video today that was like, if, if it's Steven and Mark here, are we to believe that Mark is going around with a fake British accent to ask her out? You know, like Mark can't ask her out in his like American accent, you know, like what, mm. how did that go down? Rhiannon, I'm interested if episode two was these exact same events just 
from the Mark Spector side, would that be interesting to you? Or is that like treading water? It really depends on how interesting they are. I mean, I assume that Mark Spector's life is far more interesting than Steven's. So I assumed that it would be entertaining. Um, but if it's just him flipping into that same fight and yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I am interested, you know, in the comics, there's the cabbie, Jake Lockley. And I, I sort of expect Jake to come in at some point in this series as a total left field. So like people who don't know the comics would not expect him at all. And those of us who do would be like, why is there still a missing detail here? Well, it's Jake, you know, like, I think that's an opportunity they have in front of them. Same with Mr. Knight to some degree, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. Uh, Jeremy Slater did confirm that the gold man was Crawley. So, I mean, the, the groundwork is there for Jake Lockley. Well, and I was kind of wondering with Crawley, I know that those guys can be really still, but the mm-hmm. way he had his arm out and it didn't even flinch, that was part of was like, to me, maybe this is a fake mental world where they've used the image of Crawley to create like a false character in the universe that would be someone he would talk to, but that he's like eerily capable of being still shows the surrealist part of it. I don't know. We'll see. That's just my, my pet theory for the week. Hmm. Along with also where are all those postcards coming from and where are the phone calls going? I mean, I (laughs) guess one of the other alters is, maintaining a phone line just so steve can call a fake mom but i was about to say i don't think there's a mom on the other end of the line at all but i i did see a easter egg video today that suggested some of the postcards that he received are also for sale in the gift shop where he works which i thought was very clever if that's true Hmm. Hmm. Uh, i mean we do know to the premiere, Mark's parents are in it. So I'm not sure. So there is technically a mom somewhere. Yeah. But I don't. All right. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else there to jump on or talk about? I'm enjoying it and can't wait to see where it goes. But just setting the bar very low (laughs) yeah i'm just uh i'm i don't know i am really it gives me hope that this script is very carefully constructed like i think they've set up things so that they can interlace and flashback like they can just do stuff this 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 um mechanism where he misses time allows for things to happen that he doesn't know happened that then are further illustrated down the road. I mean, it reminds me a lot of memento that way, right? Where you can make a lot of ways to mess with your plot based on the holes and you don't know what happened in those holes. So that's, that's pretty cool to me on the script. um, Marvel must be happy with all the scripts because virtually all of those writers room are on new projects in some shape, way or form. And one of them, them we should have mentioned and we didn't do news yeah. nova right 
Yep, one of them's at Nova. Um, a few of them are on X Men ninety seven. A few of them are on other stuff. Even uh, some PA is uh, writing for X Men ninety seven now. So I'm going to go fill out some PA applications. <laughs> I will work minimum wage for the duration of one show to get in the writer's room. How about that? Hey, man. Yeah, if I was it. younger and didn't have kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I've, I've enjoyed it and I'm, I'm, I'm excited where it go. I mean, I, I also think that they chewed off the right, like they didn't try to do too much or too little in this episode. Like I felt satisfied, but you know, they left me wanting more too. So we'll see how it goes. This show will be, um, you're talking about how you're watching it differently, Rihanna. And because Adam was saying it could be a little spooky, we're watching it just me and my wife on Wednesday. And then we'll watch it with the kiddos on the weekend. So I'll be seeing the episodes twice. And I'm interested in how that affects how I look at it. So, I mean, I, I might go back to watching it at 5 a.m., but. <laughs> I, because I didn't feel like a huge difference. Um, I still felt like I was watching it as an assignment when it came on, but I hope to, I hope to be watching it because I'm really excited about it by the end yeah. of the season. Uh, also, do you see the news today that Oscar Isaac is not signed up, like is not required to do anything else after this for Disney? Like they didn't give him a big yeah. Marvel contract. Yeah, I heard that. That's yeah. I mean, that's fascinating. I, I guess the reality of this is even if you're under contract, like like we saw with Hugo Weaving, right? If you really hate it, it doesn't matter if you have more contracts. Like, they're not going to force you to do movies you hate. And we've seen with people like um, Edward Norton that if they don't like you, they're not going to keep you around just because they signed you to a contract. So I guess it really doesn't make that much of a difference in the end. Oh, yeah. I think they stopped doing that, didn't they? I don't know. It depends on who you believe. Like people it. claim that Elizabeth Olsen just signed a mega deal, but mm, who are those people? Yeah, <laughs> that, who are those people? It's a fair question. I, I that not people I would trust like I would trust you, Adam. Don't trust me. Why would you trust me? Don't trust me. Uh, I mean, if like Charles Murphy said it, yeah, it's pretty damn accurate. But like if someone else did, I don't know. Yeah. So as long as Charles didn't say it. Yeah, at this point, the IP is so big that as great as Oscar Isaac has been, I don't know if he doesn't want to do it again and he's going to be grumpy doing it. They're just as well recasting it. You know, like at this point, everything works better if the actor is interested and the studio is interested and they can agree on, you know, how much money to pay him. Um, Before I jump off, I will say next week will be a hell of a week on Twitter. Oh, yeah. For for various reasons i think we've kind of seen some someone kind of who had access leaked part of it um so the leaks are out there but um if you guys like discourse (laughs) okay okay also you teased about werewolf by night being in it werewolf by night is kind of in it in that uh do you see there's a qr code on the wall which is incredible yeah. Which is the first time Marvel Studios has ever promoted comics, probably. So, Rianne, if you didn't see, if you um, there's a QR code on the wall when he's talking to the little girl about how they would do mummification. Mm-hmm. And if you scan the QR code, you get a free copy of the Werewolf by Night issue where Moon Knight first appeared. Digital copy. Oh, wow. On Marvel Unlimited. 
Wow, that's exciting. So, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. So, yeah. More but of that, the better. Say, buy comics. Like, <laughs> they can't have a comic trailer in the movie theater, but what are you going to do? Baby steps, right? One of these days, man, you know, might as well push people to comics. I, I guess it tells you how little money they make on comics versus what they make on movies, you know? <laughs> yeah, really. All right, Adam. Thank you. Uh, oh, yo, see you guys. Enjoy Morbius when you see it. If yeah, you I don't know. We had the discussion last night because we wanted to go see it. And I'm like, uh, check out these reviews first. Do we just want to wait till streaming or what's, what's going on? <laughs> we, we still might go. I don't know. All right. See you later, man. Yep. See you guys. All right. Let's talk about Morbius, Rhiannon. Here's my first question. You like vampire movies. Yes. Is Morbius a vampire like really is he a vampire or is he just a like literally a batman like spider-man is a spider-man he is a batman um i i feel like they played into the vampire tropes enough that it was a vampire movie okay because to me i I was like yeah he's more just like i don't know he's just genetically a bat like there was no mysticism to it there was no like thematic thing it was just like oh i've got a medical condition and now i've got dna that makes me need blood yeah but there was so okay so for me the vampire genre is less even i mean like one he feeds on blood so he's a vampire because like there's plenty of vampire genres where they can walk in the sun where they can you know garlic you know like all of the vampire tropes have been broken in some genre but what really takes it beyond the drinking of the blood is just like sort of the torture of it. Like all of the vampire genres, there's some element of like, yes, they're immortal and, you know, they're healed and whatever, but they're tortured by this life. Like, yeah, maybe like you go back to like the classic Anne Rice and they're like tortured by not being able to walk in the sun. Um, and and i don't know yeah like vampire diaries they're like tortured by i don't know crap catching up with them but but i feel like where he where this is a vampire story lacked in like vampire lore like it, it well and i feel like it did hit some vampire tropes you know where he is a batman um it sort of made up for it with the broodiness and the you know like i still have these challenges to overcome type things um which is a little batman-ish but (laughs) i i i feel that for me going in it hit the vampire genre buttons good because as i watch as someone who doesn't like vampire or doesn't care much about yeah yeah it was just like I'm not even sure this count because to me, one of the cores of that genre is that sort of the bloodlust is sort of metaphorical for usually a romantic lust as well. And I don't know. I mean, it was kind of here, but I, I don't think anyone's going to see Morbius as a sexy movie, you know, like it, it definitely did not have that part of, you know, the thing that often is there when you think of like a twilight or like you know a brad pitt empire, interview with a vampire or whatever you know 
Yeah, yeah. No, there was not the like sexual undertones. Um, if you can see my cat behind me causing trouble, she's about to climb the television. Um, I feel like there wasn't the like sexy undertones to it. The yeah, like you said, the the vampirism being an analogy for lust and all the broodiness. I guess the broodiness in this was less about love and lust and all of that, and more about. Hold on one second. I feel like the way I think about it is Morbius and the lizard in Spider-Man are basically the same villain. There's somebody that has a physical ailment that then puts animal DNA in them and that creates a curse then that they have to deal with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I sort of, yeah. I feel like it was a little bit different with the vampirism, but um, but yeah, well, and I mean, that is like my number one complaint about this movie is that my God, was it a paint by numbers plot <laughs> that you could see the whole thing yep. from that very first scene, like yeah. 30 seconds after like 25 years ago in Greece, like yeah. you see Morbius playing chess and then they show the guy show up in the background like, Oh, so this is the kid he's going to befriend and they're going to become lifelong friends. And then down the road, when he becomes a Morbius, he's going to become the evil Morbius. And then they'll be faced off with each other and they'll be forced to kill his brother to, you know, save the world from the evil he's unleashed on the world. Like I had that, that at that moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, you could, and uh, yeah. So I, I think that also undercut um Tyrese and Al Madrigal like we never think of them as great detectives because no it's so odd they're like oh we found dead bodies with no blood and it's related to this woman that works at a lab where Morbius works and he has vampire bats in his office oh I wonder what's going on there you know like it was just so clearly obvious where that was headed any detective worth their salt could have figured this out in 10 minutes (laughs) right right and i feel like they kind of did and i mean like they they did kind of jump to them having like figuring it all out and chasing it yeah like whatever i don't know yeah no the plot to this movie was insulting and just formulaic and all of that but then on the other side they made all these like artistic choices of how they showed the fights they uh yeah like with the with the red hues behind him as he moves and then the purple you know like and and the daredevilish echolocation crap um i yeah i feel like they really wanted this to be an artistic endeavor But it just ended up being like these really, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the artisticness was hard to appreciate among that plot. Well, I also, I kind of hated the CGI. Like I appreciated, I think what they were trying to do. And at least like when he's in the orange jumpsuit, at least you can tell which blur is which blur. But a lot of it, I was like, it felt a little bit like transformers to me where it's like, Oh, this is a swirl of pixels 
They don't actually have to film anything or animate anything. You just kind of let these two like color palettes pop into each other and then you put a smack sound effect and then like it, there were parts particularly when they started like at the end where they like went down into the sewers where i was like this is nothing this is just a computer randomly generating like water Bats. simulations and dust simulations you know like this is nothing <laughs> yeah yeah and those little like ripples and then like you know his little his little tube full of bats turned into like 10 times as many when they escape and come like did did all of those bats come from costa rica did they no. like did he like <laughs> let out his little squeal and the little ones in his like office got free but also like millions from costa rica just flew up like we got to save our batman oh i think he's discovered that there's apparently all those bats just living in the sewers of new york city right they're just they're just hanging out in the sewers that tracks i'm sure with the alligators yeah yeah yeah, yeah the alligators probably eat those bats just you know it's the circle of life just just like the lion king told us (laughs) (laughs) so i'm interested you liked jared leto is that correct i did i did i i liked him as a broody vampire dude i i liked the morbius character i liked the little nerdy take of, of i don't know i feel like they didn't I feel like there was the right mix of nerdiness and him being a super genius but keeping his eye on the prize and then like realizing he messed up and trying to fix it but i but like i said i'm a sucker for vampires so <laughs> like i don't me, know how yeah this was a lot like venom in that i didn't feel like morbius had a character like there were times he was very sweet and like devoted to his patient but then in the next scene, she's like, they're going to take away your license. And he's like, what do I care if I get healed? And I'm like, that's, that's not altruistic. I'm into saving lives, doctor guy. And like, there were times where he was really cocky and he hated the establishment. But then there were other times he was kind of meek mannered. And like, I just didn't feel like there was a character there. But maybe, maybe you saw it differently. I, I felt like there was a character there. So with the, like, what do I care about my license? I, when he said, I don't need my license for that much longer, I took that to mean he was dying. Okay. I didn't take that to mean that he was willing to lose his license. I took like sort of that, that, that aspect of his character to be like, he knew he was dying Yeah, and that he like absolutely had to come up with something and his goal was still to cure that disease. Um, and I feel like he stayed with that character for a long time. Um, and, and I don't know. I feel like he had a pretty consistent moral compass. Um, the part that really bothered me and maybe I'm thinking too much of it. I felt like they tried to set up like his limits and his boundaries and that he did not want to drink the red blood, right? He was just going to do the, the blue Jedi milk, you know, like (laughs) the whole time. So that's, that's interesting to me. That's a lot like daredevil, you know, like I have limits. I won't go past this line, but then throughout the movie, when he first turns into a vampire, he drinks red blood because, well, everybody does the first time. And then when he's in the prison, he's like, well, I got to get out of prison. So I guess I'll just have to drink some red blood. And then at the end, he's like, well, the girlfriend's already dead and I got to beat Matt Smith up. So I guess I'll just like, 
when you have a rule that is like your centering moral rule, but then you break it three times in a 90 minute movie, it sort of suggests it's not really that much of a rule for you. <laughs> yeah. I see there again. I, I felt like it was less a rule, more of a, I don't like, he didn't want that to be how he had to survive. Like, unless it was something that he had to do to survive and then he was okay with it. True, true. I mean, but like, but he wasn't wanting to live if living meant he had to constantly drink human blood. Right. Like, yes, he did it to go and fight this evildoer to to get to the climax of the movie, but he wasn't going to do that just to continue doing research. Right. Like he wasn't going to sacrifice humans to continue doing research. I don't know. Maybe I'm making excuses because, but, but it made sense to me. Um, and that again is a trope, the vampire that doesn't want to drink human blood or, right. you know, like they like didn't. also it, seen enough movies and comics where the way they deal with it is they like, just go to the blood bank or they like talk to the yeah. American red cross and they're like, yeah, listen, I, I don't want to hurt people can we work out for me to get a pint a night to like, you know, let me go through. It seems like that's a very simple answer to the problem, but yeah. Yeah. And an interview with a vampire, he drank from rats. Okay. Like, you know, go for animal. I think that's also like a twilight. I think the dude in twilight, I think Edward like drink from deer, like they would go hunting or whatever. Um, so yeah, like drinking from animals is one thing, and yeah, going. And that's to another thing. little silly thing that bothered me was because the powers were rooted in DNA. Like to me, he should have powers that the bats have. So like echolocation, okay, needs to drink blood, okay, but he's like, I only thirst for human blood. I'm like, well, those bats will eat animals. Why, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then he kind—I guess he doesn't teleport, but he kind of like. I don't know, was able to like smoke jump <laughs> or whatever. That was like his echolocation was so strong that he could feel the currents in the air and he could catch them. Yeah. And then bats fly because they have wings. So yeah. it was a little weird to me that he could just fly in a subway yeah. tunnel. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. A subway tunnel. Um, don't give me the tube in London and call it the New York City subway. <laughs> Uh, I didn't even notice that, but I'm sure you're right. <laughs> oh, I told, well, I mean, I, I knew I knew they filmed this in London, so I was just kind of watching out for all that stuff. And it is totally the tube, totally. I like the authenticity in this mar- in the Marvel stuff when they are in New York, and you can see that it truly is New York, or at least that they have been to New York. And that just seems like such an odd thing. Like I understand maybe filming in London for whatever reason, but then not even making it like not even using, they must've used all their VFX on the fights to not have a fake New York city subway. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like Hawkeye. I mean, that was mostly filmed in Atlanta against a blue screen, Mm -hmm. but like Rockefeller center looks and feels like and like clearly they even have the right i don't they may not have the right stores anymore because i feel like the lego store moved down there but like they had at least the correct stores to at one point in new york city of what stores were on the different corners of rockefeller you know yeah yeah like you could tell somebody had been to rockefeller center 
that right. did that. So yeah. And that the plates were really shot there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the end credits in a second. Before we go any further, I mean, I've been, I mean, I've expressed my frustrations with this movie. Is there anything else you really liked about it that you feel like it did well? Um, dude, the cast, just to have Jared Leto, Matt Smith, and Jared Harris, like, having Jared Harris there for that throwaway role makes no sense to me um just like having him there as the moral compass or whatever or or you know default right. father figure that's gonna die um and when he, and it's sort of like when uh what's her name and whatever was in venom like straight off an oscar and she's just like the throwaway oh yeah just, michelle williams michelle williams yeah 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 i yeah and i mean jared leto is straight off an emmy i mean maybe he hadn't earned his emmy when they did this like because they filmed this a million years ago but still it it just seemed like a waste a waste of all of that cast but for most of it i really liked matt smith and that was that was the one character i kind of got like um and maybe i'm letting personal experience get into this but like the idea of someone who's like chronically ill that then gets well and sort of wants to become a hedonist because of all this stuff they didn't get to do in life. Like there's a person I've known in my life who had a chronic illness and was always talking about like, if I got better, Mm -hmm. I'd be like trying to grab as many chicks as I could or go out drinking, you know, like, because it's just stuff that they weren't able to do. And so like, to me, that was a consistent character and Matt Smith played it consistently. Now near the end, where he goes from that to like, I'm going to kill everyone you love just out of spite and be an ornery. Like I didn't totally get that. I think it would have been more convincing if he just became like a Jack the Ripper type that was just, you know, just like killing on instinct. That was like, you know, he would, he'd pick up a girl at the bar and have a good time and then kill her in the streets. Like that would be a more sensible way for Morbius to get upset, but they wanted to up the emotional stakes. I think, you know, yeah, they wanted to turn the two of them into lovers. Like they they really turned the two boys into the love story, really. Like because Matt's behavior was of a scorned lover. Right. Milo's behavior was of a scorned lover. Like upset that uh Morbius was going to choose you know the health of humanity and the sake of humanity over them being healed Um, yeah i think there was supposed to be a like we're supposed to juxtapose like he tries to pick up a girl at the bar and can't and then he sees the two of them kissing he's like oh he's getting this life that i want like i think that was the error but Definitely. it was so thinly written that it's not like like I had to work to come up with that connection, you know? Yeah, no, no. I think I think that's absolutely the connection they tried to make. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just the plot. There were so many pieces. This could have been a good movie. Like, it could have done. It could have so easily come together if they had just had a plot that made sense 
or or that had surprises. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we've now had two Venom movies in this and getting towards the end credit. Do you think some of that is that they seem to be in a race to get their own team-up movie and to get their own universe that they're kind of just painting by numbers to get a couple movies in the, you know, in the hopper so that then they can like catch up. Does that, like, is that too cynical of a way to look at this or. I, I, I feel like they just sort of like, maybe, maybe, I mean, I, 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 I mean, they clearly felt we needed an origin story, which I think I would have been fine with this without the origin story. I, I think if we had just started in the second act and had the detectives trying to figure out how the nurse died, you know, and, and going from there and giving me more of the vampires being vampires and more of like whatever twists didn't happen, I think we would have figured it out. I think it would have been fine. And I think it could have been a better movie. I don't feel like it would necessarily take more time for their script writer to come up with a better movie. I feel like there's something behind the scenes there that's not sure how to go about it creatively. That's not brave enough to do this movie starting from the second act. That isn't brave enough to make the type of decisions that Feige would push for over at Marvel. Yeah. And, and just to, yeah, there's a risk. And, and, and I feel like Sony isn't willing to take the risks necessary to make stuff like this what it could be it's interesting because i immediately compare to the animated series because there was a whole morbius storyline in the the kids animated series and it's funny they didn't want him drinking blood so they gave him these weird like little like suckers on his hands that he would like put on people's face and like absorb their plasma which was way weirder and grosser and more disturbing than if he had just like bit people on the neck you know but in that, it's Peter Parker's um, spider bite is starting to mutate him further, where he's starting to turn into a human spider. Yeah. And so he's desperately trying to, like, stop himself from losing his humanity. And Morbius's stuff is happening at the same time. So, like, you can contrast the two of them's journeys together. And it's like, oh, that's a really interesting way to tell this character's story it's almost like Morbius was always intended to be a Spider-Man secondary character that story bounces off what, you know, like some of, yeah. I think the paint by numbers is that like, there's nothing in the source material to give you much more. Cause he was always meant to be a foil to Spidey in the same way. Venom was always kind of a foil to Spidey. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, though I feel like this character. So, I mean, I, I tweeted this after the movie, like, I could watch like a whole TV series of Morbius the vampire, like learning to navigate the world, learning to, you know, doing his little sciencey science stuff to figure out how he can be strong and still ethical. Um, like I could see more of this character, but maybe that's just that I like vampire stories. So, or even somebody who finds like medical patients that are having extreme problems and their insurance won't pay for their, you know, their stuff. And so like 
him like breaking into laboratories and stealing chemo treatments or something, you know, like, I don't know, that could be a very fascinating, like commentary on the medical community, but yeah. And I feel like this movie came close to having like a very good commentary on the medical community, but nowhere near close to having a commentary on the medical community. (laughs) Yeah. So, so in the two post credits, we get a little Spider-Man no way home, like purple in the sky. And then, yeah, vulture just shows up i don't know why vulture shows up it doesn't make any sense to the logic of no way home to me i mean he knew who he knew peter parker was spider-man yeah so that gives him i guess that makes it so he can move between the universes and i guess we're to understand that those universes are screwy you know that that things didn't get just right at the end so there's like um, a, a metaphysical filing mistake and he got sent to the wrong universe at the yeah, end. Yeah. 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 So as you remember homecoming, what is Vulture's like core character trait? What, who does Vulture care about and what does Vulture want to do in life? See, I thought he wanted to get back at like the Avengers and stuff. Somewhat, but he also... They paint him as just an everyday working blue collar yeah. guy that just wants to take care of his family. Yeah. Yeah. So when the guy who spent all of homecoming just wanted to take care of his wife and daughter gets zapped mm-hmm. into another universe where his wife and daughter don't exist, you'd think there'd be a little existential angst and not like, hmm, I wonder if the prison food's better here. Like to me, that was completely against his character. <laughs> And then, like, that universe doesn't even have an Avengers and all of that. So, because they've established, the Spideys established that they didn't have Avengers in their universes. So, like, he gets there and he's, like, like, he doesn't even have the people he fought against. Unless it's just Spider-Man. And so he wants to put together a team. Just, like, let's just be a team of evildoers because that would be a good Sinister, Sinister Six movie. Like, yeah. Also, and I, I know this is like a nerdy complaint. In Homecoming, he has a big f- vulture suit that was created out of Shatari tech yeah. by the Tinkerer. Yeah, where's he getting the hardware? Who's making it for him? He didn't make his own suit, but nope. Somehow he gets out of jail, and ten minutes later, he's flapping around <laughs> with a suit that comes. It can't come from alien parts because they've established in the Venom movies that this universe doesn't know aliens. Like the mcu yeah. does yeah so it just and then the fact that the last scene he never takes his helmet off because clearly they couldn't get michael keaton to do the reshoots so they just cgi'd his vultured face into it oh my goodness it felt so ham-fisted it was unbelievable i couldn't entirely tell that that was his voice i was like is this some other character that i'm supposed to know oh wait no i th- think that's supposed to be michael keaton's voice okay i see where they're going with this that was very heavy fisted is this very. like is it the thing they did with luke skywalker and mando where they or in, in boba fett where they like feed a computer thousands of hours of like mark hamill speaking and then recreated his voice digitally possibly <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe but I mean, like, and there again to me, like having him fly in as the vulture and meet him in San Francisco and be like, I want to create a team. Like, that scene could have been 
Michael Keaton and Jared Leto like sitting at a bar, you know? Right. Or I guess Morbius doesn't want to really sit at a bar, but you know, like sitting somewhere quiet, sitting in a library, you know? And Michael right. Keaton comes up and he's like, I like to make things too. I'm a bit of a scientist myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I was just thinking like in homecoming like vulture he's kind of like it's all about just like the little guys and taking care of people and helping people you know get paid and caring for your family so i'm just i'm struggling to see this guy he gets out of jail he opens up the newspaper and he goes oh look here's somebody who's wanted for murder who did illegal science experiments and turned themselves into a vampire that's my kind of guy you know like that it's just i don't i don't get it like (laughs) yeah and I was sure that Tom Hardy was going to show up as Venom because this is the Venom verse. Like the idea that they're working on a team up movie, but they couldn't get Tom Hardy to like show up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm, well, I'm glad you said there were only two post credit scenes because I did not stay to see if there was a third. Um, I have expected you to be here and be like, and so that moment with Venom. But. <laughs> Well, and I'm suspicious that, I mean, at the very end when they're like, the girlfriend turned into a vampire too. Yes. Which the mechanisms of, again, I'm not very much understanding. Like that felt like a third end credit that they just put at the end of the movie instead. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, the mechanisms of that. Yeah. She like bit his lip so that some of his blood went in her mouth or something? Or... See, I thought she bit her lip so that he had to drink some of her blood so that he would be strong enough to finish the fight. Yeah, maybe. I, the fact but... that we don't know is a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like evidently she got something that made her a vampire. Maybe, I mean, some vampire universes, all you have to do is be bitten by a vampire and not die and you will turn into one. And this is now the second of three movies in this universe where we get the main hero and then they get a carbon copy opposite as their villain. And mm-hmm. at some point along the line, the romantic interest is endued with the same powers as the hero. Cause that happened in Venom, you know, like it just, it's yeah. Yeah. There's so many yeah. things I hate about this. movie. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. But Jared Leto as a vampire is not one of them for me. I there you go. I liked it. He did it well. Um, well, I did the whole thing where there was scrawny Leto and then Buff Leto. You know, yeah, like yeah. And I mean, and I liked the like Buff Leto losing his powers, where he just like starts weakening again and everything. Like he did a great job with that. Well, and the effect where like both him and Matt Smith, where their normal face would turn into vampire face or bat face and then go back. Yeah. yeah. They perfected that. They used the heck out of it, but I was okay with it. Like it looked good every time. So, you know, whatever. Right. Right. Like I was really tired of looking at monster faces, but it, it was great. Um, I did the little, I am venom thing. Like, do they even know who venom is? Like, is that a common thing? Do they have Venom movies in this universe? I think Venom was on the news or in the Daily Bugle in the Venom movies. Okay. Also, there was a little tip to it. Al Madrigal, when they first show up, 
it was like, have we ever seen this before? And he's like, it's kind of yeah. like San Francisco, but not exactly. And that was like a Venom. Yeah, I saw. I mean, yeah, I caught that. But I mean, to me, that's very different. Like, yes, there was a monster jumping around in San Francisco. But knowing that that monster says, I am Venom, like. It's true. It's a I, pretty I big jump. Venom 2, I've kind of, you know, let there be carnage. I don't think it's in my head very well. I feel like there's maybe news footage of them jumping around the church. Maybe. So. I don't know. That was that was like the only thing. I mean, I, it was funny enough that just I'll let them. I'll let it slide because it amused me. Yeah. That was another scene, too, where like. I don't know if a guy's taking his Hippocratic oath real seriously. I don't feel like he's breaking a guy's hand like that, but maybe that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably, probably fair, but I don't know. I mean, he had just killed like a boat full of guys and didn't seem too torn up about it. Yeah. At this point, we just got to live with it because Craven the Hunter is filming right now and the Madam mm-hmm. Web movie is getting moving. So at this point, Sony will be so pot committed that they are going to, they're going to get to a Sinister Six movie, whether we like it or not. Well, and I would watch more Morbius movies. I just, yeah. I don't need to see the creation story of them all. Do you know, jump to it. Don't give us an origin story. Give us a well-written, well-executed like movie with all of them. Ensemble. Yeah. I kind of feel bad. I, I know a lot of people think Andrew Garfield is going to get to be the Spidey of this universe. Mm-hmm. I do feel a little bad for him. I just, you know, like the Amazing Spider-Man movies were not great. So like, hey, you're back and we're going to saddle you with the Venom Morbius verse. <laughs> Feels kind of unfair, but... Would you rather have that or would you rather them have Miles and put him in this crappy universe? Oh, no. Put Andrew Garfield. Let's yeah, yeah. save Miles. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm like. I, I was like, I'll take Andrew getting this universe. I feel like. I feel like, I mean, to take a movie with Andrew Garfield, Jared Leto, Tom Hardy, Michael Keaton. And it turned out to be crap. Like. That would be so sad. Yeah. That would be so sad. Don't do it, Sony. Yeah. And I really want to see Donald Glover back in the Tom Holland movies. So. Yeah. Speaking of, do you watch Atlanta? This is off topic. I don't. Oh, my gosh. I just watched. Are there still new episodes? They just started a new season last week. Oh. And the first episode has nothing to do with the main characters. And it's kind of a horror movie. Like it's almost feels like a Jordan Peele kind of horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. It's riveting. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the show's coming back after a big hiatus. And their first episode is like a surrealistic horror thing that has nothing to do with the main storyline. I just, I love it. <laughs> it's just so weird awesome. and perfect. All right. Well, thanks, Rhiannon. Thanks, listeners. We'll be uh, back next week, I'm sure, to talk more Moon Knight. So tell us your theories. Tell us what you're interested in. Tell us what you're thinking about Moon Knight. What's going on? What you think is going to happen next? We'd love to hear it from you. Sounds good. (laughs) See you guys later. Bye.